Welcome to the Sports Money Hour podcast. Uh, this is Ethan Schapp and Matthew Schwab, and today we're going to be doing our Week 11 reactions. Alright, so the, the first thing we're going to talk about is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts won this game 33-13 to and uh, improved to a 6-4 and record and first in the AFC South. Uh, this was Jacoby Brissett's first game back from his, it was a leg injury, right? Knee? Or just leg? Leg, okay. And uh, he had a pretty decent game. Um, QB, uh, actually, he had, a, he had an okay game. QBR rating of... 76.4. Uh, he completed 15 out of 24 passes for 148 yards. He had one touchdown, one interception, but they blew out the opposing team by 20. So he did a good enough job to win the game. Um, their rushing, their rushing attack was the big focal point in this game. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts had two running backs who had more than 100 yards uh, on the ground. Jonathan Williams had 13 carries for 116 yards, yards averaging 8.9 yards a carry, and Marlon Mack, their main running back, had 14 carries for 109 yards, averaging 7.8, and he had a touchdown. Um, Receiving-wise, um, no player had over 40 yards, and the only one to catch a touchdown pass was Marcus Jones, who had four uh, receptions for 38 yards. Um, the defense, they did have one interception from Rocky Asin, and... Overall, the biggest number I can think I can pull from them is they had uh, 264 total rushing yards. Now here's Rob with Jacksonville's breakdown. I can hear the Duval chants already. I can hear them in the back of my head. The Minshew chants. Nick Foles, first game back, didn't play well at all. Um, or, at, I mean, he played well. He just wasn't... He wasn't what Jacksonville paid him to be. Um, and actually, Jacksonville hasn't gotten their money's worth at all, frankly. I mean, Nick Foles went out in the first quarter of the first game of the year, comes back, loses by 20 to the Colts, um, who have a rather beatable defense. Um, Nick Foles was only able to put up 200 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, quarterback rating of 90.2, 92.2, sorry. Uh, on 33 for 47 passing, which is good. It's average, but it's it's not what some of the games Gardner Minshew had. And outside of being the meme of the NFL, um, Minshew actually played really well uh, in his time as a starter. And he was able to keep Jacksonville competitive in games. He was able to keep them in the playoff picture relatively. He was able to keep them at a 500 record. Uh, now the Jaguars are at four and six, and their playoff hopes of a or even a wild card hope uh, are quickly going away. So, I mean, it brings up kind of a debate of who who should be starting. I mean, they're probably going to end up starting Nick Foles because they put that much money into him, and he is a Super Bowl MVP who took down Tom Brady. Um, but I. I mean, if Nick Foles keeps underperforming for what he's been getting paid, don't be surprised if Gardner Minshew comes into the starting role again. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is the Houston Texans, the Houston Texans at Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the Ravens won this game easily, 41 to seven. Um, Lamar Jackson has just continued uh, his dominance this season. He uh, threw for four touchdowns. He completed 17 out of his 24 uh, pass attempts 
for 222 yards, averaging 9.3 yards per throw. Uh, he did get sacked once for a loss of seven, and his quarterback rating was 139.2. Uh, the Ravens, however, didn't just have a passing game. They also had a very good running game. Gus Edwards carried the ball eight times for 112 yards, had one touchdown. Lamar Jackson ran the ball nine times and had 86 yards, averaging 9.6 yards a carry. And the Ravens' total offense ra- racked up 491 yards. Um, the offense started off slow. The game started off slow. Uh, Justin Tucker missed a uh, field goal. He hit the upright, which normally does not happen with him. He's almost always automatic. And at the end of the first quarter, the score is 0-0, and you wouldn't think that uh, a high-scoring game would come from this. But the Ravens having the ability to score 41 points in the last three quarters, in the second quarter scoring 14, in the third quarter scoring 13, in the fourth quarter scoring 14, shows you how dynamic this offense can be. So even with the Ravens not scoring at all in the first quarter, and then having Robert Griffin come in for the second and third drive of the fourth quarter, and needing the ball inside the red zone, they still are able to put up 41 points. This is just impressive stuff from the Ravens' offense. And with a team that has never really been dominant on the offensive side, they've always been dominant on the defensive side, which in this game still remained. They took Deshaun Watson, who is an amazing young quarterback, who was in the MVP talk, and held him to seven points of total offense and zero uh, passing touchdowns. Their one touchdown came from two big runs, one from Carlos Hyde, one from Duke Johnson, where the Ravens defense late in the fourth just didn't even seem to care. Deshaun Watson completed 18 out of 29 passes for 169 yards, and he had zero passing touchdowns, zero rushing touchdowns, one interception, and one fumble. The Ravens' pass rush got to him. They were able to contain the Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson in the run, and they held DeAndre Hopkins to seven receptions for 80 yards, zero touchdowns. His longest catch of the day was 20, so they took away his best weapon, and they were able to contain Watson in the pocket. They had a total of uh, 10 QB hits on him. So I was talking to Evan, uh, one of the other people on the show, obviously, about Lamar and Russell Wilson and the debate for MVP that's been going on. And I'm going to read off exactly what I said to Evan about Lamar because I'm I'm afraid that next week – when the Seahawks play, there are going to be other people that are going to be like, Russell Wilson this, Russell Wilson that. He's going to be the MVP. Let's get one thing straight. If you look at Lamar Jackson, he is currently on pace for anywhere between 1,200 to 1,300 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns as a quarterback. Vicks, Michael Vicks' season record for rushing yards by a quarterback was under 1,100. Uh, Lamar Jackson is also on pace for 3,000-plus passing yards, 30-plus passing touchdowns, has had a perfect quarterback rating twice in the same season, which hasn't been done since 2007 when Ben Roethlisberger did it for the Steelers. He has been benched. Lamar Jackson this year has been benched three times because he's been outscoring opponents by that much. Now, obviously, people are going to say, oh, they were the Dolphins and the Bengals and the Texans. Doesn't matter. They're in the NFL. They're some of the best players in the world. They may not be the best in the NFL, but they're the worst of the best. Still puts them in the category of the best. 
compared to what uh, we saw with Patrick Mahomes last year, uh, I think that what we're seeing with Russell Wilson looks quite normal. I mean, compared to compared to what Patrick Mahomes did last year, Russell Wilson looks rather tame. But what Lamar Jackson is doing is changing the game. People thought Michael Vick was a cheat code, that early Cam Newton was a cheat code. None of those guys compared to what Lamar Jackson is doing in his second season in the NFL. He is changing the entire game. Both guys have played fantastic, but Russ has had two dud games this year, one against the Ravens, one against the 49ers, which both games were understandable. Ravens game, not as much as the 49ers, but I can understand the argument that both defenses were very good. Um, But then you have Lamar Jackson, who gets matched up against the New England Patriots defense. The New England Patriots defense, three of the top five league leaders in interceptions, play for the Patriots. Let's just get that straight. And Lamar Jackson beat them by 20. Lamar Jackson manhandled the Patriots. He dropped 30-plus on the Patriots. All right? He beat Russell Wilson at CenturyLink Field. CenturyLink Field is one of, if not the hardest stadium to go into and win a game. And Lamar Jackson didn't just beat them. He crushed them. He murdered them. He outplayed Russell Wilson. He outplayed Tom Brady. He's outplayed Deshaun Watson. Couple weeks, he's gonna outplay the 49ers. If Russell Wilson doesn't go into overtime with the 49ers and wins that game, I don't want to hear anybody say that Russell Wilson will win MVP. It's that simple. Lamar has outplayed every quarterback he has faced, he's outplayed every defense, outsmarted every defense. He's the most talented player in the NFL right now. Patrick Mahomes is great, but Lamar this year has been fantastic throwing the ball, and especially recently he's been fantastic throwing the ball, even better than what he was before. He's been making better decisions, better throws, been more accurate, higher quarterback rating, more completions, more yards, more touchdowns, and he's been getting it done with his legs as as was expected. I mean... My bottom line is, when it comes to this MVP debate, it's not a matter of who has played better, more consistently, because at times you can't tell the difference between Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. But it's more a matter of who has played worse in more games than the other. And this season, Lamar Jackson has had one bad game, but even then he still dropped 25 points. It's that simple. And that was against the Browns, by the way. Um, other than that, I think the Ravens offense, fantastic. Ravens defense, fantastic. Matthew Junon had a huge game, two and a half sacks, strip sack. Um, what was it? I think six QB hits, uh, seven QB pressures, something along those lines. Um, but this Ravens defense was absolutely fantastic. Also, seven solo tackles. Um and four tackles for a loss of, I think, on the Jumbotron, it said roughly around 30 yards he caused. 
lost. So, all I'm saying is that this Ravens team, people, people need to know, they were ranked very low at the start of the season in the power rankings. And then you look at them now, they're 8-2. and two, And we're going to be number one in the power rankings. This team, you're a Ravens fan? I don't want to say it too early, but I would consider booking a flight to Miami in in, in early February because there's a very good shot that this Ravens team makes a trip there. Next game we're going to be talking about is the Atlanta Falcons against the Carolina Panthers. Now, Evan and Ethan both uh, – Gave me crap for um, picking the Falcons to win this game. I was the only one out of the three of us that did. And I picked them for a few reasons. One, last week the Falcons manhandled the Saints. They beat them bad. That's a huge momentum swing. Even though the Falcons have played awful this year, they've looked like a trash can on wheels this entire year. But when you take down a team like the Saints, the Saints are no joke. If you take down a team like that and you hold them to not even scoring a touchdown with Drew Brees, a future Hall of Famer, first ballot as their quarterback, Michael Thomas, arguably the best receiver in the NFL right now. If you're able to contain that, that's a huge momentum swing. So coming into this game, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devonta Freeman, major momentum swing for the Falcons. Also, Panthers did not, and they do not have anybody on their team that is able to contain either Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley. The Panthers have a solid defense, but do they have a cornerback? No. Nobody on that defense is able to contain Julio or Calvin Ridley. It's that plain and simple. And it showed. Calvin Ridley, eight catches, 143 yards, one touchdown. Julio Jones, Six catches, 91 yards, no touchdowns. They let Matt Ryan, who's been awful this year, drop 311 yards on a touchdown on him. I mean, it was kind of a no-brainer for me. And, yeah, McCaffrey played well towards the end of the game and overall had a another McCaffrey game actually having more receiving yards and rushing yards. But the Falcons' defense, people under, people underestimate them. I'm just saying they're a lot better than what people give them credit for, and more people should have picked the Falcons because all around, there is an argument that the Falcons are a better team, but they just haven't played well this year. Um, The big thing I want to focus in on this game is uh, Kyle Allen, who so far this year has played pretty well for a rookie quarter or for a first-time starting quarterback, but this game showed that he's still very young and has a lot to learn. Um, he completed 31 out of his 50 attempts. He did have 325 yards, but his QBR rating was 47.5, and he had the harsh reality of having zero touchdowns and four interceptions, and pretty much being, if not the main reason, if not the only reason, but a huge reason of why they uh, lost this game. They uh, struggled on offense. Uh, Chris McCaffrey. Ran the ball for 70 yards on 14 carries, but he really did his work in the passing game with 121 receiving yards off 11 catches, averaging 11 yards. 
uh, per catch. So McCaffrey did his work. The man only can do so much. Kyle Allen showed a little, has showed has showed a little regression over the last two weeks, and it does make it interesting moving all to the offseason of what are they going to do with Cam Newton and Kyle Allen. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about is the Denver Broncos and the Miami Vikings, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. My apologies. Uh, this game was uh, actually really interesting. Um, Brandon Allen shot off, shot out of the gate with uh, playing extremely well. Halftime, twenty to zero. Delvin Cook, the probably the single-handedly best offensive player on the Minnesota Vikings, even though they are full of studs on the offensive side, uh, had his first bad game of the year. Uh, he had 11 carries for 26 yards, and receiving-wise, he only had five catches for 31 yards, which really hurt this team, especially in the first half. And then the second half, they realized, if we're going to win this game, we have to throw the ball. Um, in the second half, the Minnesota Vikings outscored the Denver Broncos 27-3, to edging out the uh, Broncos 27-23 final. Kirk Cousins deserves a ton of credit. I gave him a bunch of credit last week when we talked about him, but once again, uh, Stephon Diggs in his post game said that the media is extremely harsh on Kirk Cousins when he's bad, and when he's good, everyone just wipes it under the, the carpet. The man deserves credit. He completed 29 of his 35 passes, that's only 6 incompletions, for 319 yards, 3 touchdowns, 0 interceptions, QBR rating of 133.2. The man did everything he needed to do. Diggs has just been going off since the controversy earlier in this year. Yes, Thielen was still out, but Diggs had 5 catches for 121 yards and 1 touchdown. And I left him on my fantasy bench to start Odell, who got me 10 points. So, uh, I know that Diggs is an elite threat now, and I already knew that, but especially when with no Adam Thielen and he's the number one target, this man is a beast. Kyle Rudolph, just like he did in the Cowboys game, showed us that he is a valuable threat due to um, the passing game. He had five receptions for 67 yards and one touchdown. Um, and yeah, Schwab, your opinions on this game? So, I was uh, I was very shocked at halftime, to say the least. To say the least. Um, seeing the Vikings, of a very very solid team, down 20 to nothing to the Denver Broncos, minus their starting quarterback who starting quarterback to begin with wasn't good or back with quarterback it's probably worse uh they have a horrible game plan of not feeding philip Lindsay the ball um so when i saw minnesota down 20 to nothing i was it's kind of I, I got a little bit sick to my stomach because i got a little bit worried that Minnesota's luck may have run out, that Kirk Cousins went on another bad streak, and that Dalvin Cook was having a bad game, which, to be fair, he did. He had his worst game of the year. But, um, by the way, notable uh, mention, Dalvin Cook uh, in that game became Minnesota's first 1,000-yard rusher since Adrian Peterson back in 2015. So, congratulations to him. Um, but then I saw... The scoreboard, uh, Ethan, Evan, and I, we all went to the Ravens game, uh, and they had the scores up. And every every couple minutes, every couple minutes, it would say, Minnesota's in the red zone. Minnesota scored. And we're sitting there, I'm turning to Ethan, Evan, and I'm saying, it's going to happen, Denver's going to choke this. 
And to be fair, it could have gone differently. That last play could have been a touchdown. That Noah Fant play was almost a touchdown, and that would have been that would have been a heck of a play. But things didn't work out. Broncos took a 20 to nothing lead at halftime. They were unable to capitalize. And let's be real here. Don't fault the Broncos. I mean, just seeing them play well in that first half, that's that's a really promising thing because, I mean, seeing Denver play well in the first half against a strong Minnesota defense, that's pretty good to see. I mean, even though they ended up choking a 20-point lead, there's still so many positives that came out of that game. I mean, Denver fans... Haven't had much to cheer about in the past few years. But don't get your head don't don't put your head down. That was that was a great first half and there were a lot of promising signs. Uh not not just shown by Brendan Allen, uh despite having an interception, but also future star receiver Cortland Sutton. I mean he was he was amazing. Minnesota has some very good corners. And Cortland Sutton Courtland Sutton had 113 receiving yards off of only five catches on him. That's pretty good. So, Denver, don't put your head down. It happens. Falcons blew a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl in one half of football. So, I wouldn't wouldn't put your head down just yet. Uh, There were a lot of promising signs. Minnesota, that was one of the best second half of football I've seen a team play that was that was an amazing game by Minnesota in the second half so good job Minnesota Denver keep your heads up next game we're going to be talking about is the Arizona Cardinals at the San Francisco 49ers oh boy I I don't know where to begin. I feel bad for Kyler Murray. I feel so bad for Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray scored every single touchdown for the Cardinals. Let's get let's get one thing straight. Kyler Murray had two passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. He was responsible for every single touchdown that the Cardinals scored. He's a great player, and this was maybe the worst, uh, the worst fourth quarter of football I've seen him play. Um, which, I mean, with how he's played in the fourth quarter this year, having 15, 20 point fourth quarters, bringing his team back from the grave. I mean, you're gonna have a bad game once in a while. Or at least a bad quarter because Kyler Murray still played great. I mean, his team is just unable to get anything done around him. I mean, their leading receiver was Ky- well, their leading rusher was Kyler Murray. He was tied with Kenyon Drake. Kyler Murray, eight carries, 67 yards, one touchdown. Kenyon Drake had double the amount of carries, 16, for the same amount of yards. That's that's pathetic. I'm sorry, Arizona, but that's pathetic. And to blow a lead that was pretty secure. I mean, you guys were up 16 nothing. 
and you blew it. You blew it. You had it in your hands. You had it in the palm of your hands and you blew it. Don't ever blame this on Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is your saving grace this year. He's the only reason why your team is still relevant in the NFL. Kyler Murray's not on that team. You guys are you guys are in the same position as the Bengals. I mean, I give you props for even taking that type of lead against the 49ers, but wow, that was awful. And I'm not even going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo because, yeah, he had four touchdowns, but he also had two interceptions. Don't want to see that in a quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, he played great, but the two interceptions were bad decisions um, and even worse throws. So, overall, I think Kyler Murray was honestly the standout for me, even though Jimmy G did have 424 yards and four touchdowns. Those two interceptions take it away from me. Um, I cannot say enough good things about Kyler Murray. Um, what he's done this rookie season reminds me of, and this is kind of, he doesn't have the production, but it reminds me of taking the Indianapolis Colts before Andrew Luck and then putting Andrew Luck on the team. You take this terrible Cardinals team that had the first overall pick and you put Kyler Murray on it. And yes, they are only three, seven and one, but the way that this man plays, he gives his team a chance to win no matter who they play. They're in the hardest division. They play the Rams twice, the 49ers twice, and the Seahawks twice. He gives his team a chance to win every single week. Now, the score says 26 to 36, but with 36 seconds left in this game, they were up by three. And Chandler Jones blew a coverage on, um, what was his name? Jeff Wilson Jr. Chandler Jones is the best player, the only good player next to Patrick Peterson on their defense. Blew a coverage, fell down, and left this man wide open to walk in and take the lead with 30-some seconds left. And then that, which led to a Cardinals fumble, and then the 49ers picked up and ran it in. But Kyler Murray, in his first season, with this very with a terrible defense and a mediocre offense, Larry Fitzgerald is the only notable player. Yes, you have Charles Clay, but their O-line is average at best, not even. Kenyon, Kenyon Drake just got there. Larry Fitzgerald's 36 years old, um, and Kyler Murray is still every week giving his team, team a chance. I am so happy and excited to see Kyler Murray in this league. Give him two years where he gets a decent defense and some actual young new weapons, and this team will be a force. Um, my takeaway for, for the 49ers is without Kittle, who, yes, is their best receiver, uh, Emmanuel Sanders did play this game. The last two weeks against the – no, the Seahawks are a very good team, but against this Cardinals team, they've played them twice in the last three games. One on Halloween, then they play the Seahawks, then the 49ers play the Cardinals again. The 49ers are looking beatable. Even though they have an amazing D-line with Bosa and Ford, who is out, and Buckner, they are looking beatable. The Cardinals had a lead with twenty with 36 seconds left. This, this 49ers team has run into some problems with Jimmy Garoppolo in late games. Now, yes, he did get it done, and he did score his points in the fourth quarter this game. But it's against one of the worst defenses in the league. So that's my takeaway for this game.